Welcome to the Philia Podcasts. We are the daughters of those women who came before us. It is our absolute honour to have met so many incredible women fighting for the liberation of us all. Our role at Philia is to amplify the voices of those women via the Philia Conference and these podcasts. Please take from them what you can. In sisterhood and in solidarity, the Philia team. So it's Sally Jackson, volunteer at Filio, and I'm really pleased today to be joined by Sasha Rakoff from uh, No Buying It. Hi, Sasha. Hi there. Lovely to join you. Likewise. Now, we've worked um, and been really pleased that No Buying It's been able to come, I think, probably every time now to the Filio conference uh, in some way or other. So it's always great to have you on board. But I wondered if perhaps you could perhaps go back to basics and just tell us a little bit about how No Buying It came about and what, what the aims are. Yeah, so we set up uh, the beginning of 2016 to challenge sexual exploitation, particularly the porn and sex industry, and then normalising things like lap dancing, page three, sexist ads. Perhaps our biggest success was about a year ago now, when we spearheaded a legal challenge with loads of other groups and individuals, MPs, former lap dancers actually too. So we spearheaded a legal challenge against one council, that's Sheffield City Council, for breaching equality law because of its very pro-strip industry stance. And we won. I mean, they conceded in court that they had failed dismally to apply equality law. So now that's, that was nine months ago. They were supposed to totally redraft their licensing policy for strip clubs, which has never happened. So that's kind of <laughs> the backstory to what we're about to talk about. And and it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, the equality law is, is a good piece of legislation, but it is very much about actually how it's applied, isn't it, that makes the difference or, you know, as, as you were saying in this case, doesn't make a difference. It's also about being able to use it at all, because the only way we can do it is either you crowdfund and to pay properly for legal fees, you're talking 50 to 100,000 pounds, or you have to ask some poor unemployed person on benefits to be a legal aid claimant, because pressure groups cannot, we cannot, as human rights groups, we cannot, we're not entitled to legal aid, so we cannot use equality law, basically. That's the situation we're in. So it's, yeah, so those organisations that are representing some of the groups that the equality law may have most impact on aren't actually able to use it. No, we can't use it. No. Crazy. So, <laughs> the equality law is almost an act of exploitation because it has to rely on somebody who's been horrifically affected by a situation is probably on benefits and in crisis themselves. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And also, of course, then, the you know, the impact of having to take that on in that crisis situation is just another trauma for that individual yeah, to have to it, experience. It's unforgivable, really. It's unforgivable. So, as you mentioned, this, you know, although that was a really um, positive win, in actual fact, it didn't sort of really change much as far as Sheffield was concerned. So what, what sort of happened next? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> nothing was happening next. <laughs> So um, what has happened very recently is actually undercover investigators have gone into the the one strip club there, which is the Spearmint Rhino, with an appalling reputation. They went in there and they recorded what was happening and what lap dancers have to do, you know, for £20 for two tenors in order to make any money whatsoever. And they found that it was, I mean, the only rule in these strip clubs is you can get as close as you like, just don't touch. And what they found is there was huge amounts of sexual contact for every single dancer. 
This included them masturbating each other, masturbating the men. Um, it kind of culminated in basically lesbian sex that you paid £160 for, I think. So this is basically what women are having to do in a strip club to make any money whatsoever because they have to pay to work in these places. And then they have to give a portion of the takings back to the club. They're often fined. These can be fines of £300. They have to buy expensive expensive stripper clothes and then they have to pay for to getting home in the early hours of the morning, cabs and so on. So this is what women are having to do to even make a penny to work in a strip club. And of course, I suppose the argument that they might say is that, you know, women are choosing to do that. But from what you're saying, actually, if you were working in a club and you wanted to make some money, basically, that's the only way it's going to happen. Because if other dancers are doing that, it kind of forces everyone into that same sort of scenario as, as in what's on offer in that club. Yeah, absolutely. And we spoke to many women who've left the industry say exactly that. We found, I think now probably that this, maybe it's not as graphic as was happening in Sheffield, but sexual contact and assaults and harassment, etc. This is happening and we found 50 clubs across the UK, which is probably about a third of the entire strip industry. And that's with the industry trying to keep a very tight lid on it, obviously. And also, in a way, it's irrelevant. If women want to do that, well, unfortunately, that's illegal. You can't do that. So even if women, all these women are really choosing to do this in these big, happy families, which is how strip clubs are always portrayed, you can't do it. And we're talking about women that perhaps have started working uh, within the strip club because um, either, you know, just genuinely the the levels of austerity that women are experiencing at the moment, single parents, um, students perhaps who are thinking about how they're going to pay off their student loan. And, and this sort of work is often promoted actually as, as kind of easy money that, you know, all you have to do is dance, which you might enjoy doing anyway. And it's, as you say, the kind of like safe family environment and everyone will be looked after. And so this undercover work has really exposed the harsh reality of, of, of real life in these clubs. Yeah, there's so much to say about this, isn't there? <laughs> Certainly, there's been quite a lot of research, but it's all done by very pro-sex industry researchers. And even they have shown that approximately a third of women in strip clubs are students. Obviously, they're concerned about student loans, which is at horrific levels. They've also found that approximately a third in America, a third of women working in the strip industry are in abusive relationships. Every single woman we've spoken to, dozens now, who've spoken to us, they've reported to the press, they've written books about the strip industry. They've talked about how the vast majority, like 80-90% of women in it, have come from abusive backgrounds of some sort. So it's not just about financial exploitation, it's emotional exploitation. These people are very vulnerable financially and emotionally, who then being sold this lie about how it's Oh, you waft around a pole with some clothes on and men chuck thousands of pounds at you. Mm. I have no idea that you're just then almost reenacting the abuse that you might already have experienced. So nothing, nothing is worth that, especially when you consider that apparently 50% of student loans never even have to be paid back. So you've gone through all that, yet more emotional abuse for yourself when you maybe didn't even need to. On top of that, as you said, the only way you can make good money is by breaking the rules, often to quite an extreme extent. Again, the pro-strip industry academics have found that 70% of lap dancers say that they leave a shift. At the end of it, they've not actually made any money. So it's not this great industry where you're making lots of money. Everything about it is a lie that people have been basically. <laughs> You know, it's exploitation upon exploitation, isn't it? Because mm. as you say that, you know, actually it may be a, a partner that's persuaded somebody to, to be working in the club in any case. And then if they're not making that money, there may be ramifications for them when they go home if the money's not being brought in. 
Absolutely. It's, that is the ultimate exploitation, the gig economy in zero hours, austerity. I mean, this is the ultimate expression of what happens. Every time there's hard times, you see an explosion in the sex industry. So, so you know, one hand, we're told it's all choice. On the other hand, oh, women are going into it because they're worried about poverty or they're in poverty. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. Either it's this wonderful choice or it isn't. No, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that if women aren't experiencing poverty, it's not a choice in inverted commas that they would wish to make. You wouldn't um, make otherwise, that's for No, sure. no. What's really helpful then, because of this undercover work, is there's some really clear, you would say, non-refutable evidence that this is is what's happening within the clubs. What What do we do with that now? What's the next step? Well, we've got a petition. Hopefully you can put a link to it up. For sure. It's kind of at all levels. Obviously, we want this club shut down. But just as importantly, these women need to be supported financially, emotionally, just gaps in your CV. Because, you know, you can't put lap dance in your CV. It's perfectly okay for men to brag about going to strip clubs. The women they're going to see, you can't own up to that. So absolutely, there must be proper support for these women in this club and in every other club. So we're calling for people to ask the MPs to lobby to get the law changed. So lap dancing is no longer seen as acceptable. It's been banned in Iceland, which is one of the countries the best records for equality and women's rights on the planet. We're calling for, the, in the meantime, the Home Office to issue new guidance to councils over the fact that you cannot regulate this industry. I mean, in Sheffield, for instance, like in all these other clubs, they have these secret spot checks, you know, three or four times a year that always come out perfectly clean. Their CCTV is always perfectly clean. Nothing dodgy is going on. So obviously, this industry is finding all sorts of ways to get around any kind of regulation that councils think they're putting in place. Um, just general awareness. People need to know what this industry is and how exploitative it is. So for women listening to this, would it be, A, I suppose, is how do you know if there's a lap dancing or strip club in your area? And then who is it? Would it be your MP, the police, the council? Who are the best people to speak to about it? Yeah, to start off with, you can very easily often find out about strip clubs locally by searching, um, just Googling it. Contact us, we're here to help. (laughs) We're linked up with all sorts. Oh, I should have also mentioned, of course, that this has not been just us by a long shot. I mean, it's been years of campaigning in Sheffield, for instance, and we're linked up with amazing groups there. Women's Equality Party in Sheffield, Zero Option, who actually, there have been two court cases against the council on this issue. Zero Option, we're behind the first one. One Billion Rising in Sheffield, Sammy Woodhouse, of course, who, you know, is a (laughs) feminist icon. Absolutely. Yeah, who blew the lid on the Rotherham and child abuse that she was groomed in. And she worked in this club for years. So, yes, there's lots of local activists around as well. But contact us as a first step if you're worried about strip clubs and we can try and sort you out, hook you up with local people and do something about it. Fantastic. And I know the information that you send out is so helpful because, it, you know, it, it can be quite daunting to think, OK, actually, I'm going to make a, a complaint or a representation to my council when you're not quite sure how the licensing works, who you should be talking to, what are the main points to say. But you provide some really great oh, advice about how to put that together. You're very kind. You're very kind. And it is daunting, especially when you know most of the time they don't listen to a word. And actually, you probably know more than the councillors do, even the licensing experts. I mean, half the policies are illegal. (laughs) And we've been telling councillors this and they just ignore it, which means every licensing, these clubs come up for relicensing every single year. So if they've got an illegal policy, every licensing decision made under it is also unlawful. (laughs) <laughs> so we tell the councils this for years and they don't listen. So, you know, the whole thing is an absolute mess. It needs a total shake up. 
it strikes me there's there's not enough outrage about this, is there? It's an industry that is making so much money off the backs mm-hmm. of some of the most vulnerable women. Yeah. As you say, you know, going against legislation, guidelines and etc. as a means to do that. And yet it just carries on and carries on. You know, where, where's the outrage uh, to, to stop this? Yeah, I think they've done a great sell of it, really, just as the porn industry has, no matter how yeah. incredibly abusive porn now is. So every time, and the media really hasn't helped, because every time there's an article about it, or TV piece, or documentary, or the BBC News, you just see these women wafting around poles with clothes on and high heels, looking like they're having a great time. Um, it's just been this soft sell of it. Stringfellow, when he died, not a single mention of actually how exploitative it was. He himself went to court three times to make sure lap dancers had no employment rights. Not a mention of it. Gushing press about how he was this Sheffield boy made good, you know. So <laughs> the truth needs to get out there because it's been a total whitewash. And this oppression is being sold back as somehow women's empowerment. Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? But it's, you know, it's work like you're doing and and this piece, obviously in Sheffield, but actually the work there can be transferred to other areas and we can use that information to, to lobby councils in other areas where the, the strip clubs are working. Yes, I hope so. And also it isn't, I should just add, it isn't just about what's happening in that club. Many clubs, I don't know about Sheffield, but in many, many clubs, probably especially in London, you have pimps either inside or lined up, literally lined up outside to take the men all to the nearby brothels. Often the lap dancers also work. Hand in hand with that is the drugs in the clubs and outside of them, the drug dealing. They even spike customers' drinks. Spearmint Rhino, the chain in Sheffield, is renowned for doing that. So And money laundering and tax evasion, I should imagine. I mean, Spearmint Rhino apparently is operating a £2 million loss. I don't know what other business model. <laughs> what business is that? So it's all about this whole raft of criminality that these strip clubs are linked to, intimately linked to, and are feeding. For me as well, there's an issue around just more generally women's safety. I mean, I personally have had, you know, been making my way home late in the evening, and that route has taken me past strip clubs. And it's not a nice environment when that's, you know, you just have to, even if you're not involved in the club itself, but you're just a passerby as a woman out at night. That also is a breach of equality law. It's restricting our freedom to movement, actually. And that can be argued as well. But, you know, that's way over the head of (laughs) councillors. You know, if anybody, anyone out there on benefits who's furious about this and feel they want to help us take a court case just as well, this is a key thing, please just drop us a line because we're ready to go, I can tell you. Look out for the Times tomorrow, page 11, apparently. Page 11, the Sunday <laughs> Times. Oh, God, and there's something happens with Brexit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the best way to get in contact with you, Sasha, if people want to find out more? There's a website and the email address. Um, perhaps you could put that up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, just drop us a line. Have a chat. <laughs> Smash the patriarchy. Absolutely. That sounds like a good way to, to, to go ahead. Um, As always, Sasha, it's a delight to speak to you. Yeah, you too. You too. Thank you so much for the work you're doing because oh, it's really no. making a difference. And if we can help in some way, obviously, Philia is delighted to do that. Oh, thank you. You do already. You, you tie like this at every event you hold. And the events are amazing, although I have to, I'm in tears most of the time because <laughs> you're hearing about all these awful things that have happened to these amazing women. But yeah, it's an incredible event. So, But also all the kick-ass feminists that are doing something about it. <laughs> we try, don't we? <laughs> OK, well, thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing more from you, Sasha. Do take care. Bye. Bye-bye.